Don't forget Troy Anderson looking like Tim Tebow. His receiver is just running around 40 yards downfield like God wears the ball. Yeah. But then they can still play. Hopefully, first playoff game in 20 whatever years, people would show up and that'd be a tough atmosphere. Is he the guy who looked good against Idaho State in extended play? Or is he the guy who struggled a lot with spot duty outside of Idaho State? He looked, I mean, I didn't see any bad snaps. Everything looked good for what a long snapper should do. Welcome back, Tribe from the North Brave and Bold, to the official, unofficial podcast of your Idaho Vandals. I am your host, Chris, and with me today, I have three guys I am incredibly jealous of because they got to attend last week's Silver and Gold game. I have Martin. Hello. Brian. Hey, Chris. And we have a very special guest with us today, Vandal beat writer for the Lewiston Tribune, Colton Clark. What's going on? It's going to be a great podcast, and you can always, as always, you can find Tubs at the Club on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and of course, TubsAtTheClub.com. I kind of broached it right there at the beginning, but I've got, I was not able to attend the Silver and Gold game. I had some issues getting from Seattle to Moscow, but we have three gentlemen here that did, and they have a lot of takeaways. So we're going to be kind of covering some of the stuff Brian and I talked about last week on what we wanted to see. And just in general, what happened, what to look forward to, what to be stressed out about. Uh, anybody else have anything they'd like to lead into the intro? Or are we just ready to get into some some spring game conversation? Let's hit it. All right. So the biggest question um, that I'm sure everybody was waiting on, and we've talked about for as long as this podcast has been alive, the quarterback situation. Might as well lead them off with something good. I was not able to attend. Brian was nice enough to send me quick little texts about what was happening, but I kind of want from you guys grade all, all the quarterback performances, maybe run through your grades. And then when we're done, we'll have the three of you pick a starter on who you think going into summer should be getting the majority of snaps. Uh, let's start with uh, the, the special guest. Let's start with Colton. Alrighty. Okay. So grading these guys, that's going to be real tough just because you know, they're, they're thrown against, they're already severely limited with it, with their backups and then they're going against backups anyways. And then you got Nairo's going against starters. So everything's kind of skewed in one way or the other, but I, I had even written this in my article. I thought, I thought Richardson stood out more. He was 16 for 18 on you know, stats. Maybe just don't even matter at all, but he, he did look the best. He was, he was throwing 30, 40 yard balls, fitting them in sometimes tight windows and out routes. Just seems like the, the offense could expand a little bit more with him in that Petrino was doing, you know, what we expect Petrino to be doing, which is just, you know, sort of scrambling forward, you know, the, moving outside and throwing kind of little dump offs. And Haywood breaks three tackles and gets 15 yards. But Petrino was, I mean, he was on target and he didn't throw to the defense, which is, I guess that's like as much as you can say. And Nair struggled a lot, but maybe it was in the first half at least. He, he looked a little bit more comfortable in the second. Uh, just just kind of maybe a little bit of pocket jitters. I don't know. But he had a really good floated ball to Connor Whitney for – 40 yard touchdown or so but then again it's like Connor Whitney was like his main target because he's playing both ways and otherwise like he had Jed Byers was like his only other guy to throw it to and uh hit offensive line also he had Sean Toulette was his best O-lineman the rest of the guys there were mostly reserves so it's kind of hard to judge how he did based on that he was working with the reserves most of the time and then Petrino and Richardson were just kind of picking apart the other reserves but if I had to grade him I mean I would give Richardson maybe in I like that he only ran once too. I want, I want to, I'd like to see him commit to one thing. I don't, 
I know it's sneaky athletic. If some people have said that, but no, don't commit, commit to being a pocket passer or in the Petrino is tries to kind of be both. Uh, I'd say a minus and then Petrino, maybe, maybe this B plus or B just is, you know, he's completing them, but you know, it's not really anything surprising or just out there. That's, Oh, wow. That's real impressive. And then Nair, maybe a C just because of what he's working with. Uh, and it's again, really hard to gauge. And I would love, I would love to see the ones versus ones. That would have been a lot more telling. I kind of want to say that, like, I, I don't really like grading wise. I'd say Holton is probably a B. He made everything I wanted him to see him do. There could have been a little more. He looked, <laughs> he looked better. He didn't let me see it's going. It's a practice. So he's going to look good, but he just didn't look as skittish or like want to be quick on the trigger. The one thing I'll say I noticed about at least maybe me being trying to look for something good with Mason. The one thing I noticed with Mason maybe was a, his passes didn't look like they were floating in the, staying in the air as much. They were getting to his, to the targets a little better than, than in the games and in the games last fall. And with Nair, it's kind of hard to tell because he was going up against the ones, but he did look like he was moving around a lot. It would have been kind of nice to see what he would look like if those, when he was moving around the pocket, if he was getting sacked or, if he was actually making those plays, he's definitely athletic for like, that's the kind of quarterback. I think that frame is what you want. Right. I mean, the guy, the guy looks like yeah. that. The one highlight I think I mentioned in the message chat that I saw, like it was a, it was in the practice. It was like, I don't know if it was Jalen Hoover lighting, like just kind of lighting up on the, not trying to rat hit him down, but it looked like uh Nikhil like trucked uh, Jalen Hoover at during that one play at the end yeah. of one play during the spring game. Yeah, I didn't see that. <laughs> We'll touch on something like that a little bit later, but sometimes that's the weird part about spring games, right? Is that good for Nikhil Nair or is that bad for Jalen? Like, <laughs> it doesn't mean our defense is bad or our quarterback is good, but yeah. Uh, Brian, you got you got any uh, grades you'd like to throw out? Yeah, but j- jumping back real quick to that play, I really more think it was that the defeat, the defender was trying to not hit the guy in the red jersey who he was not allowed to hit. Yeah, coach gets oh, yeah. upset with um, that. Now, I mean, now definitely uh, Nair looks like he is – I'll start with him grade-wise. Um, overall, I'd probably give him a, a C- in that like D-plus to C-minus range. Um, now, the, the good part for him is there's no question who our most athletic uh-huh. quarterback is. It's an error. It's just, it's not close. In the first couple series he had, he broke off multiple runs of, of 10 yards or more. And in some of the runs now, I, a little bit of rushing in the spring game is probably more generous than it would be in a regular game because the defenders have to slow down as they're approaching you. But um, he made guys miss his athleticism it wasn't let's say like with mason petrino who um i i don't think of him as being a very good mobile quarterback at all in terms of generating yards with his legs he can move uh, left and right to create time for himself relatively well but he doesn't have what in basketball we'd call a good first step or good burst to get by players nikel nair definitely does have that you know his he wasn't just moving horizontally extending plays at plays he was getting by guys um, so in terms of that part of going against our first team defense, that was the the part of Nair's game that I was by far the most impressed with. Now, in terms of his passing, that's where I'd that's part of why his grade is is as low as it is for me. 
Um, on the one end, yeah, he was going against the ones, but the Idaho ones uh, defense-wise are not particularly great. And, and I, I do know that our two, our off, our second, our bench offensive line and our backup wide receivers and running backs aren't as good as our first string. That's why they're second string. But you know, our first string defense, we were bottom tier in a lot of stats last year in the Big Sky. We were the number twelve pass efficiency defense. So if there was a starting lineup for Nair to look good against on paper, it's ours. And it took him really into the second half before he was able to look like a, a person who is comfortable throwing the ball. Um, now, if we were to do his stat splits, he probably, and there was only one quarter in the second half. We stopped at three quarters. And just so listeners know, final score was 70 to 20. The first stringers won, um, which is kind of in line with what last year, our first stringers won 49 to 19 last year. So this should be a blowout in the one. Uh, but Nair's stats, if we were to split him in the second half, he probably accumulated about 75% of his passing stats or maybe 60, but in between 60 and 75% of his passing stats in the second half. Um, nine of 19 for 94 yards across three quarters against a team that until further notice doesn't have a great defense. It's just not um, the kind of passing stats that we would see or that we'd want to see um, in terms of Nair's development. If you are a person who hoped he would contend for a starting position, I think the jury's in after the spring game. He's not going to be in contention for a starting position unless we have some serious injury issues this year. Um, in terms of grading Colton and Mason, I'd give them both in the A- minus to B-plus range. Um, I definitely feel Colton looked the part in terms of being able to throw the ball downfield, in terms of making decisions, in terms of making plays with his arm um, that he had one touchdown throw where he definitely split a couple defenders. I believe it was Jeff Cotton who caught the touchdown, um, which is a safe bet because he had like four touchdowns. Uh, But Colton Richardson definitely looked the part of a guy with a Division I arm. Uh, Mason didn't make mistakes, um, and his throws looked like they probably had 10 to 15% more zip on them than last year. But but even with that, of the three quarterbacks, there's no question Mason has the, the weakest arm in my mind. And that's not the only variable for determining a good quarterback, but we only have our guys to talk about, which also means if we were, we were to compare the healthy Mason to the rest of the big sky, he'd still be a bottom third uh, arm strength guy or maybe bottom three arm strength guy uh, compared to the rest of the conference. Um, so, you know, I, he played well. And he should have played well. Colton Richardson played, you know, those two combined for around 80. They completed about 80% of their passes in three quarters. They threw six touchdowns and one interception. And I believe I thought Colton's one interception bounced off Hayward's arm. Uh, So yeah. So the interception on Colton Richardson, this is another reason why I would give him a higher grade. You know, there's concern last, the concern we have with Richardson is we don't know yet it's he the guy who looked good against Idaho State in extended play, or is he the guy who struggled a lot with spot duty outside of Idaho State? Um, and in the spring game, he was making decisions fast. He wasn't his accuracy looked pretty strong, and I know there's no question for me uh, who I hope our starter is based off of the three we saw play. It's looking more and more like Richardson thrives better when he has some sort of momentum going because that's kind of what happened against Idaho State. Eh. I guess he kind of stubbed his own toe with the pick six, though. That was kind of a problem is all the momentum shatters whenever he, like, stares down some sort of comeback route. And because that happened, that's happened. We've seen that happen many times. Kind of a stare down route, 
DBs sitting on it, picked off. But overall, I mean, how he worked against the spring, in, the, in the spring game against the second team is you'd want to see him working similar to that in, in the better of his drives, which would be quick, getting, to, getting, getting up quick, you know, quick passes, not trying to extend the plays as much because I felt like that's how he got injured last year. You know, that, that's, how, that's how there were so many three and outs, trying to extend the play, getting sacked, like loss of 10 out of field goal range. And that happened at least two or three times, the out of field goal range part. But, may, yeah, maybe, maybe trying to rely less on elusiveness and just using the, the tools he has, which is I thought he did that. Which that reminds me of one more thing that I found positive out of Colton, which is he didn't, he didn't seem to struggle in the spring game with stamina in the way that sometimes he did look like he struggled in the regular season last year. Now, just from the eye, eye test, he doesn't look like he's dropped any weight at all. Um, I, that doesn't necessarily matter as long as he's in the right kind of shape to not have to be pulled because of stamina. Um, so on that end, it does. his play did look better. Um, he didn't look like a guy who was at all struggling to – you know, make it through his entire series while he was out there. And I guess, uh, Colton, mm-hmm. what you said about him being a rhythm guy, well, that's always why I go back to the Idaho State game is because outside of Idaho State, you know, he got extended play against Fresno State. But, you know, Fresno State won the Mountain West last year. They should have uh, hurt, killed us, and they did. Um, outside of Idaho State, we we just had no sampling of what it looks like when he plays an extend, extended amount of time. Now, I do know something that if – I'm not trying to parse tea leaves or anything, but uh, Mason did lead the first drive. Um, he's Mason started every game last year, uh, which part, you know, the way it felt last year was that it was in theory a one and one a, um, but you know, in practicality, it wasn't a one and one a Mason played significantly more even before uh, Colton had the injury issues. Um, and you know, the symbolic uh, position of, hey, who is our starter, as in the actual guy who plays the first series? Um, it was Mason again. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens later on. Um, but I know that one of the things I was really hoping we'd be able to clear up by the time uh, spring ball ended, or at least by the time we start to get into the actual season, is that we won't have this system we're playing with. Um, I don't think there's any evidence to suggest that the system's gone. And that kind of brings it up. You brought it up with obviously Colton and some of its stamina and injury issues, and and the the system's another great example of that with the one A one B, not knowing who is going to start or who's going to play. And Paul said going into this year, and we talked about it last week, that this was going to be an open competition. So I guess from what you noticed, and obviously maybe the plan changed as game went on. Speaking of, they didn't even play a fourth quarter. Uh, but what what percentage do each of you guys kind of think? the snaps went for those of us that weren't there. Obviously I read the, the stats, um, but I guess, you know, sometimes it's handing the ball off and everything like that. But if you had to kind of give me a guess and we'll start with you, Martin on, I guess how, who got what percentage of the snaps and it, does it feel like in the way it would be open, obviously going through a whole spring, you'd expect 33, 33, 33, um, obviously it sounds like Colton and Mason have more separated themselves. So you expect them to take more, but I'm curious from someone who wasn't there, did it feel like as close to a 50, 50 between the two front runners or did it still feel like there's a little bit of a lean? At least to me, it seemed it was like, it was trying to be like in down the middle. Maybe I'd say probably 50, 50, maybe 
55-45 Mace ended up Colton, but it did seem close to fair as far as, like, they each got a fair amount of place to do their, do their thing. Nair had, had more reps than anyone, but I know, you know, he's just because he was leading the, the second yeah. team the whole time. Really? But, See, yeah, I, I think that. I think Richardson and Petrino, I could be wrong. I, I, I'm pretty True. sure, I'm like 95% sure that they just split, you know, series, 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 just rotated back and forth. Yeah, so what I what I interpreted from that split is Nair probably got the most reps on the field, um, but you know, like you said, Colton, he wasn't there wasn't a fourth quarterback he was splitting with. Uh, Nair threw the second most passes, um, but part of why he played, you know, he played more downs than the other guys, but didn't have as many attempts mm-hmm. is because the second team went four and out or three and out a few times. And the first team scored 70 points in three quarters. They, they were advancing every time they had the ball. Uh, Passing-wise, you know, Richardson threw, you know, based off your unofficial stats, Colton, Richardson passed it 18 times. Petrino passed it 22 times. They, uh, Mason had 17 completions. Colton had 16 completions. It was much closer to a 50-50 or, you know, 55-45 split than just about anything we saw last year outside of the Idaho State game. Um, but it, it was it, the thing again that, I, that I'm going to circle back to is even based off the split, it it didn't seem like we were given much of an idea about does someone truly have any sort of leg up out of those two yeah. uh, because they did rotate series. Um, I don't believe if they did, if there was any substitution during a specific drive, it wasn't like, let's say, early against Fresno State where – I don't know if you guys had this feeling last year, but especially like in the, the first couple games, it felt like the quarterback substitution pattern was pretty haphazard in not letting mm-hmm. either guy stay in long enough to get a rhythm. I didn't feel that, that during the spring game. I thought it was just, hey, this is your series, then this is – you know, first it's Mason series, then it's Colton series, and just rotate. Yeah, no, I, definitely. Because sometimes guys would come in third down, like you'd you'd see that often with Richardson. He'd mm-hmm. come in on third down and not get it done, and they'd pump. They'd be around midfield, and I that had to have happened many. I, I never had a running tally or anything, but that that had to have happened many times. Yeah, and that's probably why we had timeout. Oh problems. yeah, that's <laughs> I, for, I forgot about that. Oh honestly. yeah, Gosh. how could I <laughs> forget about that? Um, before we spend an entire podcast on the quarterback position as many vandal forum posters might forget that uh, football is not just the quarterback before we move on to everything else that happened at the silver and gold game i guess i'd like to get any i'm going to ask you each for you know your actual solid pick going into the summer just as a recap of everything you said and then maybe any closing statements you guys have on the quarterback competition brian we'll start with you My my answer of who should be the quarterback to me, it, it isn't a discussion. It's not a debate. Colton Richardson should be the guy that okay, we're going with. Um, if the question is what will we, I think we're going to go back to the you know the Mason Colton uh, theoretical split, and then out of those two, I think whoever gets the most favorable timing in terms of being on the field is who is going to be our you know th- theoretically understood okay. starter. I don't know if you guys. Uh, have seen Richardson put on about 27 pounds over the offseason. He's now listed at 6'4", 277. So I don't know if that changes your thinking at all. But that kind of plays into my thinking. Uh, 
not being as mobile, if he can if he can continue to play that way, if he can if he can set himself up just for success in the pocket, then surprisingly, yeah, him, I guess. But um, I think just whoever's going to win you games. I mean, if Petrino's offense or with Petrino's offense with Petrino in just keeps stalling, then I think it's going to stall if you do the. You do the platooning thing. I I guess that didn't work. I mean, some people were hopeful because it worked for Petrino in 04 at Louisville. Like that was that was kind of why, and they went 11 and one or 12 and one. But yeah, I, I I don't have a. If I were to choose right now, I don't think either guy is separated because I'm trying to start from clean, just start from scratch, and 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 just you know kind of have an open mind. Like maybe both these guys have taken unprecedented steps. No, maybe maybe. I'm, Maybe they have. Who knows? I mean, Petrino, you said it yourself, 15% or so more zip. And, you know, he did say that, and I got to give the kid credit. He has worked a lot on his arm strength over the last two years. That's because he's heard the chatter, you know, how could you not? So he's been trying to do that, but at the same time, I think just kind of the limited within the capabilities thing, like I've talked about, uh, scrambling outright, and then, you know, when a defense will start to read that, it seems like his first drives work really well. And then the defense gets a little bit more confident. They'll get a little bit more comfortable. And then you see the offense just start to completely fizzle three and out. But you just need some kind of explosiveness. And right now, I guess Richardson has that. Um, unless unless Nair comes out in the fall during those scrimmages, which are a little more telling. May, I mean, maybe he comes out and surprises everybody. Who knows? I I, I, I 100% believe that it's going to be a platooning system again. Uh, I think for at least three or four games, at least into conference. Central Washington, for sure, platooning. Penn State, 100% for sure, because those are, you know, a, a surefire lose, a surefire loss, and a surefire win, supposedly. I mean, Central Washington is, like, top 10. Yeah, they're, like, top 10 D2. But, uh, Oof, you know, I, I, know about Central. I wouldn't go far enough to choose somebody right now, but I would Shit. say Richardson has a leg up just because he looks like he's trying to play within his own game. You got anybody you, you differ, or are you sticking on the Richardson train? I'm, um, um, I I think Dick Colton should uh should be the starter. It just it goes back to I think it was, I think it was just like with Colton you have the odd like the defense doesn't have to stack the box, and you have more and they can it's more there's less predictable to maybe not say less, not say less predictability but just more more variety on where the ball can go. It can go deep, it can go short, and then or even you or even you could hand it off to Roshan or any of the other or any back and maybe able to pick up a first down or two. But with with Colton there's more variety and more stuff can just get done. Well, to be different, uh, I'm gonna be picking Nikhil. Uh once again, disclaimer, I did not watch the game. I have so all I have is Colton's Twitter videos that he sends. So I'm sticking with my pick from last year. Uh, but moving on to the other position groups. Now, I know not every position group might stand out in spring ball, like defensive line, offensive line. Um, but we're, we're going to try our best and see. I, you know, like I said, I wasn't there. Maybe there was somebody that was just tearing it up. Um, and for the people that weren't there, they probably want to know that. But let's start with, and I feel like most people have this answer already, the guy that if we really want to win, like the Seahawks back when they first got Russell Wilson, turn around and hand it off to a oh, stud Rashawn. back. <laughs> Rashawn who, who do you think is really standing out in the the running back room? Yeah, Roshan. He 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 stood out to me at the game. It, I thought there was going to be a bigger question mark at the spring game. It was answered very quickly. Roshan Johnson looked really good. He he looks like a 
not to bash on Isaiah, but he looked like a like a thinner, like a more like a more like just a better version of Isaiah Saunders. He's got a few inches. I think he's listed six one six one two forty five. That's what Rushon's listed at. But uh, you know, I don't know how much you can trust the listings. Maybe they're true, but and he but he doesn't run like it. That's what I like about him too. He runs really low. And he keeps his legs turning, and he just people just slip off of him consistently. And he did that in the spring. He's been doing that all of practice, and he looks like he could be a really good blocking back because he kind of took that understudy role to Saunders, who was a lot of people forget that Saunders was actually a really good, you know, he, he was a really good protection back. Um, and Roshan wants to kind of combine that. He's talked about it a little bit, how he learned a lot of a lot of different skills in blocking from Saunders. But then he also just he looks a little bit more explosive. I mean, he has some patience. Uh, it does look kind of young, so maybe he's trying to hit the holes a little too early just because, you know, he's a pressure sophomore. But he, he has a little bit of patience like Isaiah did. That was kind of Isaiah's thing. Um, and then, But his burst, his burst for sure, and people just slip off of him. He's, he, I, I, I think he's going to be kind of like maybe, maybe numbers comparable to Isaiah, something like that. I don't mean Roshan, he, he was a pleasant surprise in that he – you know, against our second string defense, he he definitely had holes, but he he was he looked fast. Um, you know, fat to me, he looked fat faster than Isaiah Saunders. Not to say Saunders wasn't fast because he was, but Roshan looked like a guy who could, let's say, have that combination game of he's of being both a power runner and an oh, yeah. outside runner. Um, now Andre Carter had. Uh, 13 carries as well. Roshan had 14 carries and he had 139 yards in those 14 carries. Andre Carter, he was a freshman. Um, he had 13 carries for 121 yards. He looked uh, pretty dang good as well. And one of the odd things to me is that Roshan Johnson popped off the page, not the page. He, he popped off the field, you know, in terms of like eye test, let's say a little more than Andre Carter did, but uh, they were both, they're both real good. I know, you know, heading into this game, we lost our top two running backs from last year, so it was a real question of who the heck's going to stand out. And we we may have our answer there because uh, both Roshan Johnson and Andre Carter, they look good, and they're both young. I was just going to say, because I know my only concern with Roshan, and you know, I'm glad this is showing up, but last year, if I recall, he had pretty big numbers in the spring scrimmages too, and then we didn't hear from him much in the season. Now, obviously, I hope they carry on but um so i guess that's why i want to say we should who else in the running back room since it is such an important one i know you just mentioned andre carter but um you know what about bamis Thigpen, and some of the other you know guys we got did, did anybody else stand out other than maybe bamis actually has been injured most he's one of those shot? guys who's been banged up so he didn't play um dylan Thigpen won't be able to do any full contact till about june uh, he's still recovering from that nasty knee injury from last spring. Uh, so yeah, he's been he's been doing rehab stuff throughout practice, but he, he won't play until or summer. It's looking like summer camp. He'll be a full go. But yeah, I think Dylan Thigpen. He he's a guy that we're forgetting about too. Yeah, he's because he he shined last year at spring, and he looks like, he looked like he would be getting a lot of reps. Uh, so maybe he can kind of make that, you know, the maybe they're looking for that one-two power punch sort of like last year, going to do kind of a mix between Saunders and Walker. Maybe they'll they'll do like a Johnson Thig Pen thing. Maybe Marquise Albert get reps because uh, he he he's kind of similar to Tyrese Walker, and if not, I'm not mistaken, they actually know each other, which is just kind of ironic. But 
they they, they have the exact same style. Um, but I, I would think that yeah, Thigpen. I <laughs> it's been a long time since I've watched him play, so I'll have to you know reserve judgment till the summer. All right. What what about out of the wide receivers? Anybody else you guys? See, I mean, I'm I'm assuming most people could take a guess at at least two of the guys that stood out. But you know, is there anybody who had the best spring? Probably game? Cotton. That was the, that's the best position group on the team, probably. Like, yeah, like, mm-hmm. and, and DJ Lee too. He didn't even play, and he's gonna be he's gonna be stud. And Cottrell Haywood's now playing inside a receiver, but it, it it's almost like you don't even you don't even notice it because he's making the same plays. Uh, Cottrell Haywood's a close second, though. I mean, Cotton might be the standout just because he's got kind of more of the, the the next level dimensions you're looking for in a receiver, and he's got long strides, and he can jump. He can run basically any route. But you don't forget about Haywood, too, because he's – now three people now have told me I think Cottrell Haywood is going to end up being Idaho's leading receiver, all-time leading receiver. Yeah, I'm a big Haywood fan. But I guess – did you guys notice at all? Because I know I I caught this last year, so I'm just curious, and I just thought of this. I remember a lot of Jeff Cotton being Colton Richardson, and a lot of Cottrell being Mason. Did did, did that kind of those two kind of connect in the same way, or is it mo- both quarterbacks from what you remember making plays with both of them? Now, obviously, they're not. If Mason's in, it's not like Jeff Cotton was totally useless. Um, but I, I just noticed that a lot of Jeff's bigger plays, I remember Colton being the one throwing in the ball, and then Cottrell was Mason. Cotton ran some short routes. I mean, he uh, he had an 80-yard touchdown on a slant. I mean, maybe, maybe they're just trying to kind of dial up the offense by, by how the guys play, but they, they've kind of been adamant that they're not doing that. But it did seem like the, it was parsed out pretty pretty well. I think Cotton had four touchdowns. I want to say I want to say it was two and two. You know, you could, one of you guys could tell me, probably. Okay. I don't remember the exact stats, but I, remember, I think it was something like that. Maybe 2-2 two, two or 3-1. All right, we haven't heard from Brian. Yeah, so what I know is out of that split, um, Cottrell Haywood had 195 yards on 15 catches. Jeff Cotton had 217 yards on 13 catches. Um, they were five of the six, you know, first-team touchdowns. Connor Whitney had the sixth first-team touchdown. You know, those two, Haywood and Cotton, were head and shoulders to me uh, above the other offensive, you know, skilled position players. Those two were the guys who, if I had to say, you know, which Vandals are going to make are going to be potential all big sky players. Uh, Haywood and Cotton both looked, they were just unguardable for our defense. Um, anybody stand out on the offensive line, or is it kind of more being wowed by the uh the position groups the offensive line still having a little bit of problem with pass blocking um i don't know if it's, it might be footwork or size or maybe i mean they were just getting beat around the outsides uh a little bit more and, and that, that's where you see some of the one of the things that really irritated me is there were so many uncalled sacks and you know it's it's up to the ref's discretion like if a quarterback's already in this throwing motion when, when a, a D lineman gets there or a linebacker gets there, they, they let it go. They let the pass go. But there were so many of those that could have been sacks. And even Noah Johnson had said, he's like, our, our pass blocking was a little bit iffy there. And it was – maybe the competitions will change that. I mean, maybe Noah Gunn and Edward Grande will both improve through that composition, competition. But Noah Gunn was out with the flu, I believe, in that game. So we just had – if you guys want to know the, the starting line so far, my prediction, at least. So center, yeah. center's Connor Verba, 
for now, Sean Toulette is supposed to be center. That's according to Chris Sienkiewicz. But maybe he's a step behind right now. I think he was a little banged up too, so he, he didn't get the reps that Verba did at center. And then the two guards, obviously Noah Johnson at strong, and then you have Matt Fawpusa at quick tap, quick guard. And he, he was all right as a freshman. I mean, big body, obviously needs to work on the speed a little. That Logan Floyd, a freshman All-American, strong tackle, and then Edwin Grande and Noah Gunn are going to compete for the quick tackle. But right now, the line looks, especially run, they've, they've never had a problem with, with, it doesn't seem like run blocking. I think they they got better at it throughout the year last year, and they're great at it right now. I think it's just because they're a really heavy O-line, and Idaho's sort of notorious for having really heavy O-lines. But they, they're they're low-key speedy, too, especially, especially Noah Johnson. Um, but yeah, I think pass blocking is still is that that had been a little bit of a problem. weren't many sacks given up. I think about twenty last season, but you know, quarterback constantly on the run. I mean, and that's again straight from the mouth of Sinkovich said, yeah, our quarterbacks were running around way too much and getting hit way too much. Any anybody else got any any I guess points on the offensive line or standouts before we move over to the defensive side of the ball? The big point that I'd go over with offensive line is. You know, we had we had the and I saw the same thing, Colton, in that it looked like there were some <clears throat> definite sacks that, and then suddenly there's a touchdown that took place, um, which was just kind of uh, like an interesting reminder, you know, in terms of in game to see like, oh wow, like that that actually is that big a difference if you know the the quarterback gets an extra point two five seconds to get that throw off, um, but for grading our offensive line, let's say. Against our, if if we're struggling with penetration against our second stringers, you know, Eastern Washington's defense gave up 16.9 points a game last year. Weber State's defense gave up 21 points a game last year in the Big Sky. I think it's safe to say that we're we've got some work ahead of us, uh, not just at the quarterback position either, at the line too, um, in terms of like how how the heck are we gonna is Idaho gonna have a stronger offense? You know, our team tied for. We were in a three-way tie last year for 10th place in the Big Sky in scoring. And because it was a three-way tie, it was actually a three-way tie for being the second-worst scoring team in the conference. Uh, we put up 24.4 points a game. As a reference point, Weber State and Montana State, those are two teams that are not known as explosive offenses. Weber State averaged 29.4 points a game. Montana State averaged 29.8 points a game. And th- those are teams who they have, they won by having a strong defense – uh, but you still have to have an offense in this league scoring around 30 if you're going if you're going to have a chance to be solid. We were at 24.4 last year, and I know from what I saw, we got some real questions on the offensive line um, about you – no, know, good news is we have time. Um, but our offensive line is going to have to improve in a meaningful way as, you know, one of our ways that we get better because, you know, if we're struggling against – if we're getting some sacks against our second stringers – um, that's different than us playing Eastern or playing Montana. So as far as our defensive line goes, those those first stringers, they weren't anybody out there specifically beating up my boy Nikhil Nair, or do they need a little improvement there too? Or is, is there a couple guys standing out? Because that is one of the positions I feel like we have a bit of turnover and talent to replace. Oh, um, you know, Charles Aquino, he is uh... – a I, I, I've been saying this from the middle of the year last year, and now I said, you know, he's not going to be Caden Ellis on the edge there, you know, because you can't, you can't be Caden Ellis, I guess. 
but he he's gonna replace him really well. And Charles Aquino, he no one could no one could no one could block him. I it is the second team. I always gotta go back to it. It is the second team line. But I think Charles Aquino is gonna have a huge year. Um, and then on the other side, because you know they're doing a thing called the buck and jack ends now. So what they're doing to kind of combat the speed, like the they had trouble with uh, mobile quarterbacks last year, right? They couldn't contain the edges that well. And even guys like Tanner Geller from Idaho State could run for 90 yards. against. It was basically just Caden Ellis rushes from one side, and it was he, he was always in the backfield. I shouldn't say they had trouble containing the edges. They had co- trouble containing one edge most of the time because Ellis would always be in the backfield. And then you just run the other way, and you're all good. There you go. Just run downfield <laughs> the opposite way. But now what they're trying to do is they're trying to have a buck on one side and a jack on the other side, which is it's just two bucks. Just think of it like that. So now the, the line will be – set with two buck style guys. And one of them's Charles Aquino. One of them's either going to be Coleman Johnson, Noah Johnson's little brother, who was, he played in a bunch of high school all-star games, you know, Noah Johnson's brother. That's all you really need to know. Either him or Austin Holt, who's a three-star JC transfer from, from uh, Cali. And uh, yeah, I think the edges are going to be much better. And, but also think about it. KOD Rufi, Boise State transfer, he will be there on the line in, in the sun or, yeah, I think he's going to be there in the summer. That's my question. And if he played in seven games for Boise State, that that guy's going to start probably. Start. Like, and Rasan Crawford, he looks about the same. But the one thing with Rasan Crawford that I've noticed is is that guy just hustles. He's just a, he's just a grinder. He might not always he might not always make the play, but he's always going to try to make try his hardest to make the play. And you're never going to get bad effort out of him. I would say those guys kind of are the ones to watch for. I mean, you kind of you kind of said with Colton. You kind of said everything I was gonna. Maybe I don't say I was gonna say, but it's all <laughs> you were kind of you kind of said all the points. I mean, the one thing that I mean, granted, it was ones versus twos. Like one name that I kind of heard pop up. And there might actually. I'm not gonna say that now. I'm gonna wait. <laughs> Great, leave us all hanging, Martin. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, what I'll go over that is. So, you know, we played three quarters, gave out 20 points across three quarters like, uh, to our second stringers. And, in, you know, in terms of how our second stringers accrued, you know, stats, you know, Nair was 9 and 19, you know, so if, if our defense is able to hold opposing quarterback to around 50%, um, that'll, that'll be great news for us. Um, the, the not great news out of that is, you know, giving up 20 points in three quarters that equates to giving up, you know, right around 27 points a game. Um, now that's against our second stringers, but if, you know, if our defense is given up around 27 points a game to our second stringers, there's that relationship, you know, for us to be good, our teams are on average strong based off a combination of their offense being strong or competent and then their defense being strong or competent. You know, they, if you have a severe weakness in one area, it's just hard to be good. If our defense isn't looking like it's making strides, that should let us relax on the as fans on the offensive end to say like, well, you know, we'll we'll do better because our defense is going to surrender fewer points. Well, I mean, to our second stringers, we surrendered the equivalent of around twenty eight points. We play if we play that whole game. If our first string average results took place last year, you know, it's 24.4 points a game, we lose that game based off of what we gave up. Um, so I, I feel that on the defensive end, this is the takeaway I had of, you know, 
we probably aren't going to get a ton of affirmative answers from, from either the offensive or defensive end. We're going to more find out, hey, do we have some questions that are still unanswered? I think the jury is still in. Our defense has some real ground it's going to have to make up if we are going to be a group of fans who can say, Idaho, Idaho can be thinking playoffs. So pick, up, pick up the pace a bit here, and uh, we'll, we'll lump the last two defensive position groups together. Linebackers, since we kind of covered it a little bit on the D-line, um, but, you know, we got guys in the middle. Uh, and, and DBs, anybody standing out in particular to you in either, any of those groups? Um, linebackers, for sure. Uh, Christian Ellis and Trey Walker are actually kind of composed the, the best – it's pro- I would say it's the second best position group on the team right now, linebackers, which is it's strange because they lost three or four starters. You would think, you know, a Ty Graham gone with Caden Ellis. I, maybe I won't jump on the edge rushers, but just with those inside guys, Christian Ellis, Trey Walker, and then they recruited speed with Jalen Jenkins and Robert Miller, open field tacklers, linebackers who weigh just about 210 and can run the field. They can, they can cover the flats well. They can get to the guys outside. I think that there's not going to be much talent loss there. And then Christian Ellis, he struggled a little bit with reads in the middle because it wasn't his natural position. He's at Sam now. Good. That's good for him. And Trey Walker as a freshman, I, he got he had some quality reps. And, I, you know, I think he'll be a standout guy too. And he's really, he's really vocal, which is good because lapses in communication, they say that was one of their problems last year. And, you know, that's from, from them. Say that you know they weren't they weren't making reads or when they were making reads they would not tell each other about it they wouldn't be vocal enough and Walker has been doing that uh, he, he's more of kind of a natural fit for for that kind of leader role at Mike so I would say him and then Satchel Escalante at safety that's the the three star JC transfer he's uh, he's he's that's a huge upgrade actually uh, so that's why I, I do have a little bit of optimism for the secondary which was arguably the worst position group last year with, you know, as Brian said, the, the number 12 uh, passive pass defense efficiency. Um, but the, the safety, you got more height in the secondary now, which was a big thing. And Lloyd Hightower, he was probably the best DB on the team last year. Safeties are both completely different. Jalen Hoover, more natural of the corner. So he'll be at corner. Um, I think there's a little bit of improvement there still yet. To, it remains to be seen. Who knows if they can, if they've adjusted completely. And I think, I think that's about good. I, you know, uh, Christian Ellis to me def- definitely, you know, stood out as a, a guy who looked like he was moving pretty damn well. I mean, um, he was one of our top guys in terms of tackles. Um, DeAndre Pittman was DeAndre Pittman. Um, he had, he had the most tackles of any of our guys. He had nine plus an interception. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I will say like the positive I took away because I'm trying not to be too negative with, with going over these. It's just even in a, a 70 to 20 three quarter game, you know, we, we can, you know, prorate these things to, to go over what this would look like through four quarters. Um, I think we definitely still have some questions about how this is, this unit's going to be more than it was last year. But I also will say like just talent wise in terms of like the speed, the second string offense was going against uh, we looked okay. Uh, we, we, we didn't look like, you know, last year, just about any team that had a guy who could throw the ball was going to be able to throw over the top against us. The, our defense did make Nair look pretty rough in the first half. And that was not just to me, Nair, you know, I don't know, being nervous or something like that in his first, you know, college kind of game. He didn't have a ton of time and he didn't have a ton of open guys. I mean, even though Nair did make those plays with his legs, 
he made the plays partially because he had nowhere to go and that's how he was able to extend the drive. And part of that was because, you know, our backs weren't getting just killed. Uh, like we, we saw a lot last year. All right. So that leaves us to last position group. You know, we, we have multiple friends of the podcast, but one in particular, the kicking it podcast. Uh, we, we've got a big guy to replace for us and Alex Boatman. So I'm wondering how did Cameron Lang, the new long snapper look, and does Kate Coffey still got that Cameron. magic sweet leg? Yes, and Kate, Kate looked like Cade, and it was you said is it Noah Lang? You said or who was it? Uh, I believe it's Cameron. Cameron Lang. He looked. I mean, I didn't see any bad snaps. Everything looked good for what a long snapper oh, yeah. should do. Like slightly worse than Boatman, but he'll yeah. be all right by the time the season. It'll comes, be a good plug in and go. So we got we got all the position groups out of the way here. So now I just want to kind of ask you guys a, a little two part question: Who is the based on what you saw? What star do you think is going to really have probably the? We'll just start with the one, I guess. W- what star is going to have the biggest season in in your opinion? Uh, let's start with Brian and Jeff Cotton. If as long as we have a quarterback who can get him the ball, those guys they just look good, uh, both in terms of. Get it, getting themselves open and getting yards after the catch. You know that our wide receiver group, in comparison to other teams in the league, that's one of the areas to me that I, you know, circling back to last year, a lot of fans felt like we saw these offensive tools, and that's why part of why it always circles back to quarterback is we don't want to waste the tools. Uh, but Haywood and Cotton look like they are going to be. Like they both could be top ten receivers in the I offense. Love, I love ask, asking for a prediction, and you put a bunch of fail safes in. Like, <laughs> depends who the quarterback is. Smart move. Uh, let's go with Colton. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that too. Uh, everything Brian said there. Um, defensively, I'm going to say Christian Ellis. I mean, what's his name? Like, there you go. Like, it's 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 going to work out for him, and he's he looks much more comfortable there. He's gained about five pounds of muscle. Remember Caden when he was a freshman? What he looked like, and then three years later, what he looked like. And Ellis still has a lot of time left. Uh, yeah, I think he's going to be again the leading tackler, even even with even with the first game, even without that game, he's still going to be the leading tackler. I think, and he's going to he's going to kind of spearhead the defensive effort. Martin, I know you're going with uh, Cameron Lang, yeah. and <laughs> uh. But, but really, really, yeah. uh, I'm gonna pick. Uh, I'm gonna go a little different, and I'm gonna say, uh, prediction have a big breakout year. I'm gonna say breakout year, but just a different a study year is uh, Connor Whitney. I just think that he hopefully he can take that next step. And if, say, Cottrell and Jeff are gonna be covered, that Connor Whitney's gonna be able to make the plays and maybe get a touchdown or break off a big risk, break off, break off a huge catch for big yardage or something just because if, if you can't cover everybody and so maybe he'll be he'll, maybe we'll people will forget about him and he'll be able to make those big plays and get the big yards and the touchdowns next question your biggest surprise who is the guy who made a big play big hit um and then you're flipping through your roster like who who is this guy who's you know and anybody like that kind of stand out that you did you weren't aware of really going into this that stood out while you're watching. No, no one really, no one really that I, I didn't. I mean, after watching practice, I, I don't know. It's kind of, but from from like a casual fans perspective, I mean, I, I still don't think a lot of people know who Trey Walker is. 
think just because he's a, a true sophomore and you know had limited playing, like he played a lot. Maybe you know in the eyes of casual observer, not that much. But he 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 was. I think he was kind of the even Petrino name dropped him after the game. Like he was kind of the leader of that group. He was kind of the leader of the defense. Uh, and I and I think going into the season too, he'll be kind of the surprise guy too, as, as captain of the defense. Him, him and Ellis will sort of captain it together. Him for more of the traditional Mike Backer role. Um, but yeah, I, I think not. I mean, no one really surprised me. They kind of they kind of did what I. Everyone was at the level I expected them to be at. Uh, but yeah, I would probably say for for fair weather, would be Trey Walker. For me. Andre Carter, just because I had no idea who he was going into the year. You know, you're researching for the game. You know, I we saw Roshan Johnson play a little bit last year, and then in researching for this, I also saw that he had a big spring game last year too. And Chris talked about that when we had our discussion last week. Andre Carter was just not a guy who was on my radar at all, and you know, statistically, he had almost an identical outing to Roshan Johnson. Um, so I, I guess the big surprise for me is at running back seeing that even though we lost our top two contributors and we had guys who couldn't play because of injury, we still had two guys who, from an athleticism standpoint, looked good. Sinkovich was really high on Andre Carter last year to eventually break out. I There wasn't really, so I'd say, surprise, but one person I hope people, maybe they'll be able, like, that'll be a guy to lead the defense next year that maybe people weren't aren't thinking about this year, but it might be a... I mean, again, I'm looking at the stats right now. It's surprising nobody is like DeAndre Pittman, the the redshirt freshman, just because he's young and hopefully he'll be able to be come and make plays against uh, some of the pass happy Big Sky teams and get interceptions and get the ball back to our offense. Overall, big picture, obviously, in <laughs> hard question to answer in um, one podcast, but. Biggest weakness you see heading in the summer ball. So if you're the coaching staff, your biggest takeaway, like this is the group we might have to spend a little bit more time. On. Yeah. Yeah. I think no question the, the defense, um, defense as a whole, which I'm not trying to sound dumb, just talking about in a macro perspective, but I mean, you know, just going through giving up 20 points to our second stringers in three quarters, that is not close to good enough. Uh, relative to how the rest of the big sky scores. You know, I brought it up earlier. I'll bring it up one more time. Weaver State and Montana State both made the playoffs as teams that were understood as not great scoring teams, and both those teams were still scoring right around 30 points a game. If our if our number one string, you know, our first string offense is essentially giving up that many points to our set, to our second string offense, sorry, first string defense giving around that that level of scoring per quarter, to our second string offense, and that means second string string O line, second string receivers, quarterback who has who didn't play, he didn't throw a pass at all last year. Um, our our defense is a big question. Uh, we, there were definitely some positives, especially with you know from the defensive back end. Um, Nair didn't have a ton of openings to start the game with, but I'm I think it's the. With our offense, we know who some of those guys are. Like, you know, with we talked about Mason and Colton Richardson from the quarterback question. But we did see both those guys play last year, and we know we have an idea of what their floor and ceiling are based off earlier um, experience. You know, the bigger question for them is how, how much time do they spend closer to their ceiling than their floor. For our defense, um, I still think we're at the point of, hey, how, how do we answer these questions? Because, you know, if our second string – 
offense is scoring at the equivalent rate that, you know, Weber State and Montana State scored last year. Um, that's not going to be good enough uh, for us to to have the kind of success we all want to have and the team probably expects to have this year. I would probably say, let's see, for me, DBs are still prove it and, and then I'll believe it. Like you've made the changes. You've promised that you're adjusting to RPOs. You've promised you're experimenting with man. You're trying to – you're trying to combat all these new things that came out you this new conference, but you know the roster might look different. But are you really different? That's 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 my biggest question. Uh, if you're still just going to allow guys to flow like Brian, like we were we were talking about uh, Sneed from Montana, he looked like he looked like John Freeze out there. He's just like just everything was perfect, falling into a bread basket, and that was I think that was thanks to the secondary. But you know they are different. They promised a lot of things, but. I'm wait and see. Don't forget Troy Anderson looking like Tim Tebow. <laughs> Troy, Troy Anderson. <laughs> yes, but his receivers just running around 40 yards downfield like, God, where is the ball going to end up? And then they yeah, still catch it. Like, shot putting a 45-yard pass, <laughs> still gets it, and then he just trucks people on the goal line. Where's 15? That was flashbacks. <laughs> um, Martin? I'd probably say who might step up if, say, I don't say if it's a weakness, but just who might – pop up outside of maybe I don't think it might be a big one like say for offense I'd say maybe who might step up if Cotton and Jeff Cotton and Jeff and Cottrell are either injured or both out and who's gonna maybe be able to step up and make that play and maybe for the defense who's gonna step up and actually who's gonna like who's gonna actually man up and sorry who's gonna man up and make and make the biggest jump to me, I know it's kind of like another question, answering another question with another question. But who's going to man up and make the make a make a big step up from where they were last year? Who's going to make Who's going to make the biggest step? Who's going to make the biggest change over the over the summer? So your question or your question to the question actually leads in perfectly to our next question. Before we go into that, I would just want to say I think it's impressive that nobody mentioned what I feel like a lot of people would say, and that be the quarterback position. Oh. Oh, yeah. um, we, so good good on we want to go outside the box yeah <laughs> i'm trying to get what uh, what you might not already know but as martin just kind of touched on in his question within a question somebody out there has probably been listening to us mention that the score was 70 to 20 although that might not be totally unheard of for a lot of spring games for a lot of teams somebody out there is probably going does that mean that our defense our offense is really good or that our defense is really bad not knowing, you know, ones versus twos, twos versus ones, uh, all that. I mean, how do you how do you guys view it, or how would you tell somebody who is a little worried about the seventy to twenty scoreline, or is twenty points too much because the twos were able to score twenty? And Brian, I know you are foaming at the mouth, so you can take it. I would say don't read too much into the seventy points uh, because we we have. Stats from most, a lot of our, our, the, you know, quarterback, running backs, wide receivers, a lot of, sorry, running backs not returning, but a lot of our, we have a lot of returning talent to the offensive side. So we have seen some of these guys produce against elite teams that are FCS, you know, control Haywood. He, he didn't just look good in scrimmages. He looked good all year last year. Uh, same with Jeff Cotton. Um, so the 70 points, I wouldn't read too much in. It's more the, the defense. I, it's not that I think it's reason to panic or anything, but the part I would read into on the defense is, okay, well, we're, 
we still gave up 20 points in three quarters to second stringers. Um, that that it, if it were if we won that game 49 to seven, I would have felt better about the defense than it than us winning the game 70 to 20. Then again, I think they might have scored 20 in one quarter, actually. Um, what wasn't it for? Was it 49 52 to zero at halftime? I'm trying to remember. It all kind of just mixes together. But I, I want to say they held them scoreless. I, I know that's probably not in front of anybody there. But, I, you know, again, you, you might not read into that because it might just be like, oh, you know, defense kind of let up a little bit and let them score. But it's still, it's like the spring game. Why would you do that? And I, w- I wouldn't look into it. I basically would just throw this whole thing out the window. It's, you know, they, they've been practicing with, at low end, about 50 guys during the spring, high end, about 60 guys. So they've been real limited. Like a lot of guys are banged up, especially guys on the defensive line. Lots of injuries, lots of illnesses too, lots of guys with the flu. Um, so, you know, in, in even the backups, it might not even have been like the second string. It might have even been some guys that will be buried even further on the depth chart. And so, yeah, I, I wouldn't look into it, into it really at all because it's just like, and it's and it's ridiculous that we were talking about Brian and I were talking about this at the game too. Just just why ones versus twos? Like come on, like I I, I don't agree with that. Like mo- most schools do like one versus ones with back one, backups, ones, ones, twos, yeah. twos, yeah. So yeah, but see the way yeah, which that was a huge thing I was curious about because I do follow the reporters for other teams on Twitter and I listened to the two tone, the Wanis show. So I learned about how some of those other teams they do look in their scrimmages, you know, like Montana, for example, Montana state, the big news out of Montana state was Troy Anderson is not going to be their starting quarterback. He's a defensive captain. Uh, their coach has said he's going to have a special package of offensive plays they use for him. But in the scrimmage, the big question for them was like, okay, who, who's going to stand out for our guys. But it was first stringers against first stringers. And Madison Guernsey, after the Idaho silver and gold game, I actually tweeted to him because I saw him tweeting about, you know, which quarterbacks were doing well for Idaho State because it's it's a competition Idaho State too. And he specifically said, yeah, it's first stringers versus first stringers. I really wish we had a little bit more of that to go off of because I do think there's some things that we can read from these game, this game, but it's mostly in the negative sense. And I don't mean negative is put down. It's more like we can observe the absence of something. So like, did we see a lockdown defense? Well, no, we saw the absence of that. Now that doesn't mean they're bad, um, but I feel like it, we didn't see evidence to say like the defensive made, has made this astounding jump. But still, we're left with a pretty big question because it was second stringers. And, you know, the Colton, like you said, in a blowout game, this is present in every sport. So I probably should have brought this up anyway. Everyone lets down a little bit when they're up, you know, 50 to four. Um, You know, in basketball, watch NBA teams, watch college teams. Even a blowout win, there will still be a lull where the team getting killed makes a minor comeback. Um, So it's, it's not like it's shocking that... In the second half, our defense maybe didn't have as great an effort, but also in the second half, you know, maybe the second stringers also just relaxed a little bit. So I don't know what we can read out of this in an affirmative sense. I I view this as a win-win. Your offense was able to put up 70 points, and any starting defense that can hold an all-conference first-round draft pick like Nikhil Nair to 20 points on offense is a solid defense. No, but... (laughs) In all seriousness, you guys kind of touched on it. This is all kind of more about 
these guys are practicing, right? And when you're practicing, ones are playing ones. Um, this is more about getting people excited about the team, doing a practice, showing them what you've been working on. Kind of, It's like when you buy a new car and you go drive it around the block a couple times for all the neighbors to see. They know we have some new pieces. They know people want to see the quarterbacks, wide receivers, some of these guys we brought in. And so this is more – that's why they let people in on this. It's more showing them what you can do. You're going to have more fun on it. You guys nailed it right on the head. The defense is always at a disadvantage in these because whether it's sacking the quarterback, tackling the running back, um, coming down on a wide receiver, if there's a you know, 50-50 ball in a game, you're hitting that wide receiver as hard as you can to break that up or to go for the ball. In this, you don't want to hurt the wide receiver because you know you're going to yell that, and that's not what you're supposed to do. So the offense is always going to look better. And that's probably why um, Brian brought it up. You know, the second string eventually came back because the starting defense showed out, and then it came down to you don't want to hurt your backups. Or and and with this game too, like we've mentioned, some not everybody's there. We have recruits coming in over the summer. We have transfers coming in still. So the second string isn't necessarily the second string. The first string is not necessarily the first string. This is more to get people excited, in my opinion. Um, and I, like everybody said, spring games are always lopsided. If, if you ever have a spring game that's like 45 to 44, <laughs> you probably have more questions than when you have one that's a 70 to 20. Um, all right. Anybody else have any outstanding regards they want to bring up about the spring game before we move into kind of the uh, closing couple segments we got here on the podcast? I just want to say that going to the game, it, it just reminded me, uh, life's just better during football right. season. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was just fun having an event. I'd like, I didn't even play football growing up. You know, I, I've spent a ton of time watching and trying to learn more and more about the game so I can sound like someone competent talking about it. But, you know, our f- football stadiums are our cathedrals at this mm-hmm. point. Um, so it was just, it was a good excuse to be able to go and worship, I guess. Mm-hmm. So we got a hashtag AskTATC from the long-lost co-host TJ Hopkins. Um, because this is something we will all definitely cover later down the line. Um, and just because we hope to have Colton on, um, but who knows if we'll have him on before we ever answer this question. But TJ wants to know, specifically to Colton, with Eastern being added to our game and having six home games, how many home wins do you see the Vandals having? Oh, man, put me on the spot. Um well, we heard right. about one silver and gold games. Chuck, Chuck <laughs> WW. Um, let's see. I mean, Central Washington. You got to think that of that as a win. Eastern Washington. Don't think so. Uh, Weber State too. Nah. Idaho State. Cal Poly. Yes, yes. Uh, I'm thinking maybe four. I, <laughs> don't don't quote me on this. I, I don't know. I mean, just just a quick cursory sort of look at this thing. I mean, yeah. And it's only yeah, and who April knows? I mean, maybe twenty, maybe that like. God. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, Eric Berrier could get hurt before yeah, the yeah, Eastern maybe. game, and maybe we even pull that one out. You know, like <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know they, they have State Washington week one. Week who knows? One right? I, I, I'm waiting. Um, I'm excited for the Wyoming game because I, I that's think... true. That's true. We held last time we had them. I mean, we Wyoming's never traditionally yeah. beat up on us. But yeah, obviously that was different. We were in the FBS. I, yeah, no, I, I. That's basically it. I, I don't know. At this point, that's kind of. I have to wait and see what they look like, and because the rosters, I mean, depth chart's going to look completely different. Uh, I have to wait and see. But like right now, I, I Eastern. I mean, Eastern gave 
ND State, their their toughest game, and still lost. What, what was it, 20, 20 point loss? And Weber State was right there. I think Idaho State takes a step back. Maybe. Uh, yep. Now probably, probably Cal Poly. I mean, Cal Poly and Sac State. I mean, uh, what are you gonna do? It's not powerhouses. Stay tuned. We'll have way more discussion on all the Vandal schedule as we approach football season. Um, but yeah, uh, I know you've listened to the show. Are you familiar with the getting ice segment? Since I know that's more when we have guests on, have you heard a guest show before? Um, no, I actually haven't heard a guest show. Uh, what do you do? Do you okay. guys, do you guys so, drink Smirnoff ice? So you get a, you <laughs> kind of, you get a hit us with any question you want. It can be about sports. It can be about our personal lives. It can be about whatever you want. You can pop any random question on us that we have no prep for, and we'll try to answer it. Luckily for you, we have an example. Martin has a getting ice. He would like to ask Brian. So, Brian, I've been thinking about this question for a long time. And if Pete Isaacson or whoever the athletic director is when it comes time to scheduling come came to you and said, Brian, I want you to pick the home opener – the, the opening game for the new arena, who do you pick? What college team do you want to see play out of the Idaho men's basketball team in the opening game in the new arena? Oh, man, that, that's a layup. WSU. <laughs> okay. WSU is a power five, power five team. WSU is the team that we've had our best home attendance against over the last few years. WSU – that you know they they have a coaching change coming on, uh, which might be positive for them. We'll see. Uh, WSU is also a place that it's always it's rumored sometimes when a Big Sky coach is going to move up. Like very often, it's the lower end Power Five, lower end Pac twelve jobs that are open. You know, like Wayne Tinkle moved from Montana to Oregon State. Travis DeCure was rumored. He's the Montana coach right now. Travis DeCure was rumored to be in contention both at Cal this year and at Washington State. But one, it's an easy sell um, so, because I think having the optics of a full arena is important for getting people there. But also, it's just a guaranteed event. That's part of why fans want the teams to be good. Like, I mean, yeah, there's pride when your team wins. But when your team's winning, the games are a thing that people really want to go to. It's not just something they happen to do. So, you know, opening home opener against WSU, I would absolutely love it. You know, big name would be, let's say, Gonzaga, but we are obviously not in the class where we want to open our new arena losing by 77. Um, So I'm going to say Washington State, no question, would be number one. If I were to do a number two regionally, Oh, wait, no, I'm a moron, man. Boise State. Thank God. I'm an idiot. I can't believe I didn't think. That's the downside of our rivalry, of what's become of our rivalry with Boise State, is we never play them. So, like, it sometimes doesn't even occur to me. Like, oh, yeah, we could, like, play Boise State. You know, they drive five hours north to pull their head out of their ass. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, So, revise. Boise State, open with Boise State, no question. It's ridiculous that that rivalry doesn't exist. So number one, Boise State. Number two, Washington State. Number three, it shouldn't be any team but those two. Okay. All right. So, Colton, that was very sports-oriented. But, for example, people have asked us what we order at the Breakfast Club. So you can ask us whatever. (laughs) 
I have two questions. First of one, what is an acceptable win total for you guys as fans for next year? And then on the other side of that, uh, what what record would incite riots? Um, Brian will probably have the most sound ahead on this. I think we should start sound, and then we'll decrease our credibility as we go. So are we talking overall, or are we talking okay, overall? overall. Yeah. What What's an acceptable overall record for this season for U.S. fans? What should – a reasonable answer, I'm going to say, which is not what I actually want the answer to be. I think we have a schedule that could play out to set, you know, seven, seven and five. We'd have to have a couple things go well for us, but seven and five, I don't think is unreasonable. We're going to start out slow because we have both Penn State and Wyoming, two of our first three weeks, and then we have Eastern. So starting out one and three is completely on the table, but then winning almost all all but maybe Weber State and then Montana afterward is also on the table. So I'm going to say seven and five would be, I'd be real happy if we finish seven and five. Now, if the dice goes wrong for us and it's feasible, because for example, NAU just got a drop down from Oklahoma State, which means if their their quarterback, Case Cookus, the the guy famous for being the only quarterback to ever be ejected for targeting, um, which I, I just love that that exists. But you know, if Northern Arizona could, if things go well, they could, they could be strong. Suddenly we're looking at, instead of seven, five, looking at six and six. Uh, what if Portland state cap, you know, they, they've had some highly ranked recruiting classes over last year. Plus, you know, they're Portland state's not that far removed from having an okay season. You know, if we were to go like five and seven or four and eight, um, I think we'd be talking <laughs> about people having like existential crises, uh, in Moscow and relating to Idaho sports. So yeah, the big question is it's got to, we got to be 500 or better this year. If we're, if we're, if we're two games below 500 or three games below 500, man, uh, Moscow might just vanish and no one will know what happened. Best case scenario, eight and four with losses to uh, Wyoming, Penn state, Eastern and Montana. Worst case scenario is going say three in line, three and nine with the re- lost regional rivals Central Idaho State, Montana, and Eastern Washington. Yeah, I'll go uh, dream scenario nine and six. You guys are forgetting that eight and five probably makes the playoff. Um, I think we host a playoff game. I think we win that one. Then we get like an Eastern North Dakota State. Somebody who probably beat us in the playoffs with playoff atmosphere, but I I truly think we got a playoff caliber team this year, low playoff caliber. Um, hopefully, with we're one of the schools that would have the support. That doesn't matter how good we finish, we'd host a game. Hopefully, first playoff game in twenty whatever years, people would show up, and that'd be a tough atmosphere. See us winning that, losing. Um, Defcon hits the fan. Uh, I think I'm with Brian. If I don't want to quite say six and six, but five, you know, if we if we're below five hundred, I think it's going to be bad. And I think if we're at five hundred, you're still going to have a lot of very upset people. We didn't come to the FCS to finish five hundred. We could have stayed in the FBS to battle that battle. Um, so I I think yeah I I, I think if we are below five hundred the first two years in the FCS, you're going to have some issues on your hands. Part two of my question. What are your guys' favorite bands? Or musical artists? <laughs> oh, gosh. 
I'm a big fan of Quinn XCII. Okay. He's a. I don't know if that counts as a band. musical artist slash band. Okay. Yeah. That's my guy right now. All time. Otherwise, all time. Johnny okay. My, time. okay. Johnny Cash. I'm a huge Bruce Springsteen fan. Um, something, you know, let's say newer than 1965. Um, I, I like The Killers. Something newer than 2000. Man, I'm worthless. I, I am just not part of the pop <laughs> culture demographic at this point <laughs> in my life. See, for my favorite artist, uh, E Double, he unfortunately passed away a couple years ago. But you probably, if you're watching like Call of Duty montages, you've probably heard his music on there. Either say that, or uh, I know I'm like, I'm going to get a lot of hate for it, but I, oh, I am a. I, uh, I'm oh, a Nickelback wow. fan, too, at some point in my life. <laughs> that works. All right, Colton, we want your quick answers on the two oh, I think you should, uh, questions you asked us. I think anything worse than 6 and 6 should definitely piss a lot of people off, um, especially, you know, now you could kind of understand, you know, you could, you could give them a grace period last year. Like, if you're an optimist and not a pessimist, which I'm going to be a pessimist until they prove it this year, you can count on that because I was a little bit more optimistic last year. And then is it Wazoo Basketball sort of brought it out of me. And I'm just like, you know, I, I can't hate everything now. So, but, yeah, I'm going to be a pessimist <laughs> until they prove it. If they go 500, I'll be like, yeah, okay, <laughs> 500 or better. But I think I, I, I'm with you guys on that one, that if it's under 500, then that should probably piss people off. Because, like, last year, the grace period basically, like, being that, oh, you know, one one sort of analogy I made was that, like, if you if you're driving on the right side of the road – your entire life and then you just move to or not your entire life but for you know 22 years and then you just move to england and guess what you got to drive on the left side of the road it's gonna it's gonna take a little bit to get used to that was just sort of the simple analogy i made so you know the conference is different you can't expect to come right in and just beat people up with these teams you haven't played forever so you know maybe that's you know maybe being too easy on them but that's just you know we'll give them that we'll give you that for right now but if you if you don't prove it then you know, you will get bashed until you prove that you, that you, not bashed, but, you know, there will be criticism coming until you prove that you deserve praise. And then band, um, I, you know, I'm sort of eclectic thing. My favorite probably all time is pre-2000 or pre-2001 Green Day. Um, and then uh, 60s, 70s Merle Haggard is a big one of mine. And aside from that... Yeah, those, those are probably probably my top two. Uh, Redheaded Stranger by Willie Nelson is probably my favorite album of all time. He's a highway man. Yo, oh yeah, I love I love Outlaw Country. That's how I was raised. And then yeah. Outlaw Country and grunge slash punk rock. Those are those are my go to music genres. Right. <laughs> we circle back to one one real quick thing. It relates to Colton's answer. Uh, it has to do with the, fo- the football season. Can you guys imagine? We're two years out of Ooh. moving into the big sky. We have two seasons sub five, sub five hundred, but we did not develop a young quarterback yep, in it. either of those it. seasons. No, it, that's another thing that's come up because it's like you're getting all these good yeah, JC guys, three star JC guys, but you would think that maybe you would bring in like one decent JC quarterback to you know you know throw this guy in there to compete and maybe drive success. Like you would think that you could get one of those guys, right? I mean, they got Nate Cisco, but he's a freshman. Maybe they, that's definitely a development yeah. project. Uh. You don't need him. You got Nair. <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> <All> right. So, 
I don't know. Unless you believe what Charlie Molnar said, uh, he I, thinks I, I uh, Cisco that, might be the so next man uh, this year. Yes. Or uh, next year. I guess he would redshirt this year. Yeah, this he should, probably should Maybe, redshirt, but you never know. Um, all right. So we do have some other really awesome news. There's not a lot we can really divulge on it other than um, Tubbs at the Club, our friends at the Montana Mints, the R&R Cat Cast, uh, FCS Fans Nation, NAU and Big Sky Sports. I think I hit them all. If not, you'll know more. Uh, have kind of come together on a joint venture called the Big Sky Podcast Network. You can thank Brian for saving the name from being Podcasters Network. Um, it, it should be a pretty cool thing. I guess, yeah, Brian, why don't I, I told them about it. You ex- explain, uh, you know, as much as we kind of have ironed out now without giving away anything we might drop. Okay, so there had been a few independent FCS, and for us specifically, there were a few independent Big Sky related podcasts that were guests on our show and well, it, was, it was your show last year. Uh, but there were like Montana Mint was on Tubs of the Club. You were on Montana Mint. Uh, we had Kyla from FCS Fans Nation. You were on their show as well. All of us have, we put together the idea that we're all covering the same content and we we know that there's a market for people because we, you know, if you look at Montana, Montana has people filling up seats at their games. Even for Idaho last year, in what I think was disappointing attendance-wise, we still, it's, it's clear there's still a market for Idaho-related sports news. And Colton does the actual news, you know, researching as the beat reporter. But part of what makes some of these things fun is, you know, the ESPN kind of stuff, the FS1 kind of stuff, where people get to listen to, you know, experts talk about the games that are coming up, talk about subjects that they care about because people care about sports. Well, what we did is us, Montana Mint, are in our podcast Kyler from FCS Fans Nation, he's going to have an independent, he's going to have his own Eastern podcast. Um, and Casey from NAU and Big Sky Sports, we got together. We're going to have a regular schedule of podcasts that we're going to publish. We're going to have written content that comes out on a regular schedule. And we're also going to come together and have a weekly around the horn kind of show, which do we have a name for that yet, Chris? We don't. The Mint is working on it. Okay. We, we're going to have a a once a week around 30, 40 minute podcast, just like around the Hornet on ESPN, where we have a topic and we have representatives from every single one of those teams on the show so that we have more people, you know, for, for our listeners, this is Idaho centric, you know, you get the Idaho content from us, but you also get big sky content with an, an Idaho centric voice in our shared podcast, which the big deal is if you care about content about a team you're a stakeholder for, which is Idaho, we're making it and we're going to make it on a regular schedule next year. Yeah. And then just the, the final touching points I want to bring up on that is like, it's that around the horn style thing will be getting posted right here where you already get tubs at the club. It's going to be shared on everybody's individual feed. So you won't have to do too much else. It's just letting you know what else is going on in the big sky. Tubs at the club isn't going to change. We're still going to be posting our show on Thursdays. Um, and that's part of our whole rollout of trying to have something for you guys every single week, Big Sky related, starting from Monday all the way through Friday. Obviously, the podcast is coming out on Thursdays. So the whole goal is this is we're all going to collaborate, collaborate and be together. But obviously, there's not a podcast for every team. There might be weeks where Brian and I can't get on it. So it's not just going to be the same guys every time on that pod, the Around the Horn style podcast. 
they are going to bring in beat writers like Colton if we're not available or for Weber State or Cal Poly. And so that way you're going to get a voice from the entire big sky. Um, and it's going to rotate every week. It won't ever be, you know, well, not no, ever, but most of the time will not be the same three to four people. Um, that way you're getting like a taste of everything. But you should have an Idaho voice, if not every week, almost every week. So we hope you guys are like that. And there's a lot more to come out with it, but we finally named it, kind of have a rough outline of what we're doing. So make sure you guys stay tuned for that. That should be awesome. Um, otherwise, it's time to actually close down the bar now. And with that, I do want to let our special guest, Colton, kind of explain where you can find him. And we kind of touched on what he does, but if you want to let the people know a little bit more what you what you do. I work in the Lewiston Tribune down here in the Valley. I uh, commute up to Moscow and Pullman. I lay out the paper a lot. That's actually what I'm doing t- tonight. I'm actually writing a, uh, a sort of a, a briefer story, not a longer one, just about Caden Ellis. I kind of found a funny angle on how, oh, now everybody just knows that he exists. It's like, it's not like, you know, me and Pete Harriman from the spokesman or like Mark Nelke from the press. We're saying that this guy has NFL potential or anything for the whole last year, and nobody listened. Oh, that's, but now that one guy comes and watched watch two workouts, he's like, oh, he's definitely going to the league. So I, I'm writing a sort of a draft preview for for Ellis, and then David Unger's names come up a bit now, um, kind of as a, a late, maybe maybe seventh at the at the at the, the earliest, but probably undrafted free agent if, if anything. Um, so that's kind of what I'm writing, working on right now is just kind of letting people know what to expect with Caden Ellis' draft, what people are sort of the, the, the quote unquote experts are sort of saying about him. Um, and then sort of what, as I, as a person who, you know, watched him play several times per week, it was kind of what I saw out of him. And then uh, other than that, you know, I just do random stuff. I cover a lot of, a lot of Palouse high school sports, a lot of Valley high school sports, write random features here and there. I'm writing a feature about, really really good bowlers in this area pretty soon here and i also cover washington state basketball you can find me on twitter at colton clark 95 i post on there a few times per day usually sometimes i get a little lazy because you know twitter is just it's so time consuming and it can control your mind so you, you sometimes want to stay away from it i <laughs> time specifically for post just news about if you like idaho vandal stuff wazoo stuff that's that's what i'm posting on there Every once in a while, I like reply to random people that I know. But for the most part, you know, you're just going to get info about the teams you like if you follow me. So, you know, I'll throw some personality in there every once in a while. But the thing is, is that, you know, Twitter can ruin your life. So can control your life is what I mean. So I, 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 but if you want to follow me on there, that would, that would be awesome. It'd be much appreciated. I'm always looking for followers like people do on social media. Other than that, I, Oh, I, I thank you very much for all of those. We do retweet them a bunch. That's every single every single time that goes, I get a Mario coin. It's like one of those. But the, other than that, I'm just going to enjoy the summertime. I'm actually, my mother lives in Phoenix. And in two weeks, I'm going to go hang out with her for five days, check out some baseball. I'm a big D-backs fan. So, you know, family, you got family in Phoenix. So it kind of comes with it. Not a Cardinals fan or Suns, so. Yeah, I don't. I don't care for those teams. But yeah, I'm just gonna hang out in Phoenix and then just wait for random summer features, and get ready for summer ball and and fall ball. And take a take a nice needed break. And the and the uh, NAI World Series is coming up, so I'll I'll be covering that too. If you if anybody's interested, you can find me on Twitter or you know lmtribune.com at the Lewiston Tribune, and 
our coverage area ranges up north and potlatch area all the way south to uh, Riggins. So anywhere around there, you'll find the paper. Yeah, so I, I'm trying to retweet anytime there's Big Sky related news. One of the things that I think is just kind of fun to watch right now is the Idaho State quarterback competition, but it's a trolling interest that I have because of there are certain people who write for all Vandals who their dream scenario is Gunnar Amos wins the job and Idaho State goes, you know, 12 and 0, and that corrects Idaho Vandal football somehow. Uh, so I, I just happen to think that's fun to watch because of that. Uh, but otherwise, you know, next time I have something fiction published, I'll definitely, you know, post that to Twitter. And, you know, if I have any other sports writing related stuff, that goes there. If you're listening, you guys already know that we will have a basketball update at some point between now and the summer we're mostly waiting for us to get more actual signees not verbal commits who then end up going elsewhere where we just had our heart broken this week um, but uh yeah you follow me on twitter at brian marceau and that's where you'll get that that news All right and i've just been busy with life this and the big sky podcast network with brian so um with that i want to wrap up the show uh, remember, this is Tubbs of the Club, the official unofficial podcast of your Idaho Vandals. If you're interested in becoming an advertiser or sponsor of the show or interested in maybe possibly doing that for the Big Sky Podcast Network, email us at Tubbs at the Club at Gmail um, or reach out to us on Twitter. Um, we are also the biggest fans of the best quarterback in Quarter Lane since, since the olden days, Chad Chalich on this show. And with that, I'm going to thank you guys so much for about an hour and a half of your time. And Martin, we should always have you do this when you're on the show. I think you should uh, end this with those magic words. It is time for the best band of Vandals. <laughs>